Hey, hey, hey. Welcome back to Joe on Joe. It's me, your host, Joe Slupsky. And I am here in beautiful Northridge, California for an episode uh, that is a part Joe, part Super Friends called Injustice in the Cobra Way. And I am very happy to welcome to the Joe on Joe family a comedian, uh, a gentleman that I met at WonderCon. He's a Joe fan. He's very funny. His name is Dave Amiat. Dave, welcome to Joe on Joe. Well, I welcome to Northridge. Yeah. I've Earthquake never... couldn't break us. Right, man. This is my first time all the way up here. So you're you're a Joe fan. I think I saw you wearing a Cobra shirt, maybe the same one. Yep. And uh, and I just walk up. Whenever I'm at a con and I see people in a G.I. Joe or Cobra shirt, I just walk up, hand them my card. I go, you look like you'd enjoy this. Yeah. And I checked out the podcast, and I certainly did enjoy it. And that's when I contacted him and said, hey, if you need a guest, love I'm it. very chatty. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. So you're a, you're a stand-up comedian. Yes, and, that's right. And also actor a little bit. I've done some acting. Yeah. yeah. Also, uh, we uh, Dave's fighting a fight in the fight right now. He's fighting some kind of flu bugs going around. My wife, Rebecca, has it. Yeah. So you're not alone. And the dry air is not helping. No, it's really not. The super windy this week that kicked up everything. I think that had something to do with it. So uh, you're a stand-up comic. You're actually, if you're if you're listening, and you're going to be at the Phoenix Comic Fest on May 24th. Uh, it's a Thursday. Dave's going to be performing at 6 p.m. on a on a stand-up panel. Tell me a little about that, Dave. Uh, it's called Cosplay Comedy, and there's a comedian here in L.A., Kyle Kreiss. He does it as a monthly show. Shout in- out, Kyle. Yep. What's up? Uh, it's a monthly show in Burbank, and it's called Cosplay Comedy. And the premise is all of the comedians are cosplayers, and they're doing comedy as the character they're dressed as. Love it. So it's a live show every month, but then he also has done it at conventions. We just did it at Long Beach Comic Expo in February, and we just found out it's gonna, we're going to do it in uh, Phoenix. Great. At the end of May. It's a panel. So you have to be attending the convention, mm-hmm. and it is Thursday night, so it's the first night of the con, but it'll be a great way to kick it off. I'll be performing as Fred from Scooby-Doo. <laughs> now, do you do, uh, do you do a Fred voice, or, do you, or are, you, are, you, are you embodying Fred more mannerisms, or is it impersonations? Like, explain, walk me through this. It's, there's a little bit of physicality. Really, what it comes down to with Fred, okay, for one thing, Frank Welker is a legend. Yes, He's one of only two people who have ever voiced Fred Jones in the entire history of the Scooby-Doo franchise, not counting the live action. Oh, okay. I was going to say it's Fred and uh, uh, what's his name, Junior? Uh, Freddie Prince Jr. Freddie Prince Jr. (laughs) Frank Welker and Freddie Prince Jr. Well, there was the the, uh, young actor who voiced Fred on a pup named Scooby-Doo. Oh, okay. But he came to an unfortunate end. They were kids. He died? It's it's a sad story, yeah. Who was it? I'm I'm afraid I can't remember the man's name, but he ended up having a difficult life, and he. Oh no! Yeah. Okay, well that's terrible. But on a happy note, when I uh, I did Fred my comedy as Fred at Long Beach, and Andrea Romano was there. Love it. And she saw me, and we spoke briefly, which was fun. And you know, we agreed the whole thing about Frank Welker is Fred. It's all in how he says "gang." Mm. Come on, gang. Yeah. So okay. that's usually how I start out, and that gets me into it. So you're, you're going to be, I'm, I'm assuming you'll have an ascot. Yes. Yes. And um, and do is it stand-up, like, is it fresh stand-up sets, or is it crowd work, or, or is it a panel? Like, is it an actual panel? Because you said it's, like, in a panel. It's not a panel. It's just, it's a stand-up show. Stand-up show, yeah. I don't do a lot of crowd work. Mm-hmm. Some of the other comedians have. I'm not sure who all will be performing in this, because it is in Phoenix. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm one of the few L.A. comics who's going to be making the trip. I think there's probably going to be a lot of other local Phoenix comedians. Yeah. Uh, my friend Paul Goebel, the king of TV, okay. he's going to be performing in it 
as Captain Kirk. I why does he call himself the king of TV? Because I think I know who this guy is. Did you ever watch the show Beat the Geeks on Comedy Central? He was the TV geek. Okay. And he had won the Nick at Night. Does he like know either know everything about TV Guide or have every TV Guide or something like that? I don't think it's have affiliated heard... with TV Guide, but he, no, he is a but, TV but, but expert. He, yeah, I feel like I heard him on the radio years ago. It's entirely like, about, it, he's a very he's a big guy. He was a TV geek on Beat the Geeks. Okay, um, TV. Yeah, I think expert. I used to hear him on the Brandmeyer show out of Chicago. I, I yeah. Yeah. That sounds real familiar. Yeah, very funny guy. And now he lives in Phoenix, so he's going to do it. And uh, so I, I don't know who all will be there, but it should be a good show. So are you a are you a Fred Scooby Doo sla- you know expert or like what made did you choose to do Fred or, or did they they kind of choose that for you? Yeah, I chose to do Fred because it it was a costume that I had because I've been going to conventions for a while, mm-hmm. and in my experience, you'd see a lot of Velmas, a lot of Shaggies, several Daphnes. Yeah, I'd rarely see Fred. Right. And I thought, well, I'm just going to go as Fred, and then if I see a Scooby-Doo group that doesn't have a Fred, I'll jump in, and we can get some pictures, and it'll be mm-hmm, fun. Mm-hmm. And that I had that experience. And then when Kyle invited me to be on this show, part of the fun for me is trying to think of, okay, so what would Fred think is funny? Right. If Fred was doing stand-up, what would Fred talk about? Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's a lot of, I'm not going to say hacky, but... I'll say obvious Scooby-Doo jokes, so I try to stay away from those. Like, I don't have any material about Scrappy. I don't have any material about being stoned. (laughs) Uh, Well, Fred wasn't the stoned one. Right. You know, that was Shaggy. Exactly. But I I don't do... You know, people ask me all the time if Shaggy is stoned. I'm like, yeah, I don't don't do that. Good, good. Uh, How long have have you been doing comedy? Well, I used to do a lot more improv. Mm -hmm. I studied improv when I lived back in Cleveland when we had a second city there. And is that where you're from? I'm originally from Cleveland. Nice. Yeah. And I performed with a short form improv troupe there for two years called Something Dada. They're still active. It's the longest running improv troupe in Cleveland. Awesome. Great crowd. Uh, they still perform there. If you can go to see them. Great. Shout great out Something Dada. Yeah. Uh, then I moved from Cleveland to the San Francisco Bay Area. Did a lot of improv there. I did a lot of musical improv in the Bay. Uh, but then when I moved to L.A., I focused more on stand up and writing. Musical improv is very fun. It is. It is really fun. There's, there's, there's rules to it. It's not as, uh, it's it's funny once you see once you learn those rules about like the rhyming patterns and when to you know what word to focus on to find the rhyme match and where to place it in the order. It takes some of the illusion away when you're watching like uh what's uh the, whose line is the guy yeah who's, Wayne Brady yeah Wayne Brady who's amazing he's brilliant it. he's yeah. so brilliant at it and actually knowing the rules when you watch him you go. Oh, I see what he's doing, but then he'll flip it and break it and do it just on a different another level. And you're like, okay, that's really, really talented. Yeah, he's he's been very. I impressive. always marvel at the um, the musical directors and their ability to just find the song within the lyric that you're saying. Yep. You know, uh, we 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 did a few musical uh, set sketches and stuff, and worked with musical directors, and you know, we were not songwriters or poets or anything like that, but we would just put these couplets together and rhyme them. Shout out to Jeff Boothiet. They would just, they would hear it and they would immediately go, Oh, I know what this can be. And then, you know, there'd be some sing song, you know, something. I don't know enough musically to, I would insult them if I were to describe it. But they would just hear what you're saying and see the scene and go, Oh, this needs to be an up tempo number. And then here's this, you know, and it was just on the spot. Like, it's just so brilliant. Yeah. If you get a good music director, you're golden. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to Steph. You're brilliant. I know neither of them listen, but they know they're great. Have you done any cosplay comedy as a Joe person? 
I haven't. Mm, that's the challenge. <clears throat> well, when I was at WonderCon, I was with uh, a cosplayer friend of mine who's a woman, and she's very eccentric and just in her day-to-day life, she has pink hair. Awesome. So one of the cosplays she's going to do is Zorana. Of course. Specifically Spy Troops Zorana, because <laughs> you rarely see that one. Okay, well, what's uh, what's the different look there? Uh, she's wearing a... Spy Troops Zorana wears a leather jacket, mm-hmm. and the toy, her hair actually was pink rather than orange. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and she's wearing, like, black pants and cowboy boots. It's a little... Frankly, it's a little easier than a regular Zorana because there's no armor pieces. Yeah. Um, and she's got these uh, mirrored sunglasses. It's it's a little more bikery. Okay. <clears throat> so, but that'll be fun. And uh, so, the I Toys Arena, w- Toys Arena, had that like vaginal shaped but- mohawk. Mohawk. Almost, yeah, yeah, it just was a weird, weird choice for a hair piece on this toy. And then you saw her in the cartoon. You're yeah, like, she looks great on the cartoon. She does. And then the toys, just what is going on with that hair piece? Like, yeah, yeah, it's it's an interesting. It's uh, not as bad as Scarlet's just boy cut on the fi- on the action figure. Yeah, you know, no ponytail. Although you know, you know that they make uh, ponytail extensions for your Joe figure. Really? Yes, I saw this. If if you wanted to have your original OG Scarlet mm-hmm. have a ponytail. Someone has made, and I think it's, I don't think it's like made out of hair. I think it's made out of like plastic so it would look natural. And you clip it to the back of her neck, <laughs> like a little, you know, like a little circle piece. And so it looks like she's rocking a ponytail and Aww. therefore matches what the show looks like. Brilliant idea. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I'm an action figure customizer myself. Oh, you are. So that kind of thing, yeah. That kind of thing really appeals to me. I don't do so much with vintage. I, I work more in the 25th modern era yeah. style. Well, I don't I don't want people to think about vintage. Yeah. You know, unless you're talking about like the 89 90ish vintage stuff. Right, which but, is the era that we're which in. Which is yeah, to destroy all the DIC stuff. Just destroy it all. We're fine with that. But anything like pre-87, I don't want to see that stuff taken apart. No. No. I really don't. It's just too beautiful to me. So what's but your I, history with GI Joe? Well, I was right in the sweet spot, you know, in a 1985 hit when I started paying attention and I I don't think I'm speaking out of turn when I say most Joe fans consider that the best year. Oh yeah. Am I? I no, you're 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 absolutely right. Right. Yeah. So you're absolutely right. You know, uh, Duke, Dusty, Shipwreck, uh, Flint. I you know I had the yeah, Alpine Bazooka, Ostriker, yeah. the um, the Conquest X30 is like the last awesome plane in my world. Sure. Snowcat. You had the the, the um, on the Cobra side. You had the Night Raven. Mm. I had the transportable battle platform. That was my Joe the base. Battle platform was great. Yeah, because I I was too. Uh, I had missed out on headquarters, mm-hmm. so I got that for Christmas. I got the battle platform for Christmas one year, and then I got the Terror Drum the next year. So oh, I was the set. Terror Drum is uh, yeah. I the Terror Drum was the best playset yeah. of any of the playsets, except for I'm assuming the flag. And maybe the Defiant both were too large for me to, to ever yeah. dip my toe into. I'm assuming the Defiant was amazing. I never knew anybody who had the flag. A friend of mine had the Defiant, and I just found it unwieldy. Oh, yeah? I didn't think it worked as well as a base, and as far as a... Didn't it have the two space shuttles in one? Yeah. Wasn't there a shuttle on top of a shuttle? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, was, it was sort of like the Night Raven where there was a drone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And... I feel like a shuttle on a shuttle is overkill. A drone on a Raven is awesome. Right. But when you're like, we got a shuttle... And then we're putting a smaller shuttle on top of the shuttle. I don't. It's that seems a little bit much. Yeah. But but that se- that Maybe always I... se- seemed like a cool. And then the, the it, it's funny the the general, which is Maybe I'm misremembering uh, here. Let me. I got my uh, I got my ultimate guide. To oh, GI I love Joe's it. Second I edition love it. Right here. The general, uh, which is like their mobile battle platform, takes takes uh, 
And that had its own version of the Locust that came with it. The Locust helicopter. Okay, so the Defiant, yeah, it had the yeah, so launcher lo- and then the shuttle. And then when they re-released just the shuttle as its own vehicle, right. that's when they put the Night Raven drone in it. Oh, <laughs> so okay. it had an even and, yeah. And the launcher though, the launcher on on the Defiant is is it has like a cockpit, right? That, I'm looking at that. That's a cockpit. Yeah. Right. Which is not what a booster is for. Right. <laughs> it's supposed to just be all fuel to get you up into the, to the stratosphere. Yeah. The the Defiant, it, it was fun, but it was all over the place. Yeah. 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 I, I was dig- fine with the Terradrome and the battle platform. Terradrome, that was, for me. Terradrome battle platform, the Conquest. Aust- I love the Ostriker. I love the fact that the Ostriker had shocks. Like yes. It had a little bounce to it. You know, yeah. it's just if it a- had had rubber tires, man, oh, that would have been. Stop it. My world would have been over. Um, I never really owned a Mobat. I got one years later. A buddy, a buddy was cleaning his stuff out, but I really wasn't even collecting Joes then, so I never really had a Mobat. Yeah, yeah, I never had a Mobat. I never had a Wolverine. I never had a Mauler. I I like the faster moving vehicles. Yeah, I think I must have too. Yeah, I I, used I had an APC that got a lot of play. Oh, really? Yeah. For some reason, my APC was always charging headlong into battle. (laughs) The worst, the 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 tank with a with a canvas side. Yeah, (laughs) I had the Ostriker and I had the Armadillo, which I oh yeah loved the Armadillo. Yeah, the Armadillo and the Snowcat and and the thing of it is, I was thinking about this recently. I always saved my flag points, mm-hmm. and I never redeemed them. Oh! And now, you you know, you can look at Yojo.com, and they have the catalogs. Like, ah, I could have ordered a His Tank. Yeah. I could have ordered a Fang. That's how I got my His Tank. I, ah. I redeemed them. I did redeem my flag points. I used them to get a, a Mailaway hooded commander, I think. Oh, I nice. think I got the Mailaway Duke, too. I think that's how I got my Duke. And, yeah, I redeemed my flag. Because my, my mom was a coupon clipper. Oh. So... In our house, it was always about clipping coupons. Right. So when I started getting into Joe's, I was like, wait, there's a coupon? It was, it was clipping a coupon. Mm-hmm. So I was a hoard. Well, I mean, I'm a collector anyway. So that, that was a big part of it. Um, I wonder how many I had left before. Like if I ever like used them all before I eventually quit, you know? Like, yeah. like if I had any left over, I never found them. Yeah, I, I had a little uh, recipe card holder that I would keep all my file cards in. Mm. And that's where I'd stash my flag points. And I just, I built they built up i ordered the fridge and i ordered super trooper nice but i never i i, I could have had a wolverine i, I could have had a ferret i never ordered the fridge and i i'm from chicago and i'm a huge bears fan i've said on the show i'm wearing a bears t-shirt right now i love the bears i love the 85 bears i think i didn't like that the fridge was being co-opted on the joe team oh, <laughs> i don't know why i never okay. ordered the fridge i got my fridge years later i found a broken arm one in mm. a, in a, at a comic-con and I snabbed them immediately. Snagged them, and then just like two years ago, um, I, I used the power of the podcast to negotiate five dollars off a fridge. <laughs> and it kind of was like, I'll uh, I'll talk about you on my show. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> so I finally have a complete full with the football attached oh, to the stick nice. fridge in complete shape. I actually, and- ended up selling my football on a stick accessory uh, not too long ago because I didn't have the figure anymore. Oh so yeah, I was like yeah, somebody will want this. Sure. Five bucks, yeah. ten bucks. And the fridge was interesting because it was like 1987, but he had the throwback uh, head that could only turn left to right because oh, his yeah. neck was so thick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he's a he's a big dude. Yeah. He's a so big that, dude. That was one of the only things I ever sent away for. I remember when I got the first issue of G.I. Joe magazine had the offer on the back for the original battle team, and it was like yep. 13 older figures. 
that you couldn't get in stores anymore. And I got permission from my mom. She said I could send away for it because you'd have to include a check. Yeah. She gave me permission to send away for it. But the day the magazine arrived at my house was the day the offer expired. Oh, no. Yeah. So I think that experience must have turned me off sending away for stuff. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah, I was, I was heartbroken. I recently started grabbing um, those magazines off eBay. Mm. I, I, I had them, a bunch of them when I was a kid. I don't know if I like was a completist with it, but I did have a few of them. And I hadn't thought about them, even during the show, I just hadn't thought about them forever. So I've recently I grabbed four of them off. off I, I don't know if there were that many. They, well, they were no, there were only like eight or nine issues. Yeah, And yeah. it's not a whole lot of joke content. No, it's not. It's but almost it's, like boy's life. It totally is. Like, here, we're talking about the Summer Olympics. Yeah. Or, you know, we're talking about weightlifting or whatever. But there'd be a sweet Larry Hama written cartoon in there, or yeah. comic book. Yeah. Well, uh, it'd be like an illustrated text story. Not the one I read. Oh, really? It was a straight comic. It was like eight pages of comic book. Oh, I don't remember. Yeah. I don't remember that one. That might have yeah, been a later yeah. issue. Oh, I'm excited about it. We're going to talk about it. We're okay. going to talk about it, and we're going to talk about it on the uh, most likely on uh, on my on my Patreon podcast, Joe on Joe Illustrated. Mm-hmm. So we just started this Patreon, and it is to support Joe on Joe and to expand the world of Joe on Joe. So we're doing Joe on Joe Illustrated. If you go to Patreon.com/slash Joe on Joe Pod, you can you can help support the show. Minimum one one dollar a month. Or if you want to hear me go wax and, and, and opine at length about individual issues of the comic book, for only $3 a month, you'll get at least four episodes, if not five. I'm trying to do them as many as possible. And I go through every issue of, of the G.I. Joe comic book page by page. Oof. Doing this, I'm applying this type of, let's go episode by episode in order and watch it all and talk about everything about it. Uh, I'm applying that to the comic books and also bringing in my personal kind of expertise in comic books that's my comics are my thing so i've got a lot of history to it we talk about books that were um talk about books that were being published at the time kind of the the state of the industry at the time um maybe some influences that might have had happened towards the gi joe book at, at that time and uh it's great it's a whole lot of fun as of this recording uh with dave we're um i think we're about 10 episodes in and i'm loving it it's I spoke. I, I recorded an hour and a half episode about one comic book, like one twenty-two page. I mean, that's we're going panel by panel. It's really cool. So, so I think I'm going to address those magazines on that episode. So if you're if you want to help support Joe and Joe, keep the lights on at the Fort Wadsworth uh, motor pool. <laughs> motor pool, yeah, as we like to say. Um, I I hope you guys go to Patreon and check it out. Um, it's it it would be fantastic. And while you're on the internet, you can find Dave at uh, on Instagram at Damiot D A M I O T T. And on Twitter, he's at Dave Amiot. Yeah. And you can find me at Joe and Joe Pod at Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And say hi. Yeah. And I'll, on my Instagram, I'll, I'll occasionally post pictures of my customs. And I, I, I'm not, there are people out there making custom figures that are absolute artists. Mm-hmm. I'm, my online handle for a long time was Lazy Customizer. So <laughs> I, make, I make what I want for my own collection or yeah. for a buddy of mine. Because honestly, like with the Collectors Club stuff now, I can't afford $60 for a scoop. So oh, I, wow. Is that, is that what they're going right for Something this? like that. Wow. And, or, and, and that's direct. That's not aftermarket. Mm-hmm. So, but since so many of what they're doing now are made using recycled parts anyway, yeah. I'd rather just buy the base figures and you know, find a good head. Um, and you know, like I, made, I made a big lob for a friend of mine. Love I, it. Uh, and anything that's been an exclusive or hard to get, I'll just make it myself. Like that's how I made my I made a Sergeant Slaughter. I made a Footloose, sweet twenty fifth anniversary style. 
so if you're talking about the comics and you're so ten issues in, that's still mostly like the original team, right? The classic. Oh yeah, team. oh yeah. We're about to. They're just about in issue eleven. They introduce the first new members: Snow Job and Doc. Doc. Yeah. Um, in issue ten, which actually as I'm about probably going to record it as we speak. So every five issues, I'm actually releasing to the main Joe Joe Pod, so our listeners can hear it and see what they're missing out on. So you'll hear the episode ten on our main feed. You, you you'll have heard it if you're a regular listener, Joe on Joe. Ten is where the mythology kicks in high gear. They introduced Springfield a few episodes back, and the concept of Springfield and Cobra could be anywhere. But ten is you get hints at Snake Eyes' origin. You get uh, Doctor Venom. Ah. You get, you, I mean, they're in Springfield, so you, it drives home that oh, they're they're embedded in wherever the Springfield town is. There's all kinds of great stuff in ten. So okay. it's for my money, it's the start. And Larry had taken a couple issues off, so it makes me think that it was okay. You you figure out what you want to do with this book. We'll get because um, uh, Trimpy was credited with the story and the plot, not dialogue. They didn't. It was weird on eight. They don't credit anyone with or no. Trimpy gets script and plot. But usually there's a right written by like it's a weird, it's a weird difference with uh, the way they credit stuff. No one was credited with the plot. Trimpy had script and art, okay. which was a gorgeous book, yeah, and a great yeah. issue. Oh, he's but it was it was it was strange. Yeah, I was like, okay, well, did Larry maybe just kind of throw an idea and let him run with it? And then nine was the Stephen Grant one, the the one that Larry didn't write at all. And Stephen Grant wrote it, which is great. It was like a James Bond adventure. Then you get into ten, and then it's all Larry, and right. it's but it's just ten is just. Okay, digging into this is a deep story. It's great. Sure. Well, when I was growing up and a fan of the toys and the cartoon, I never read the comics. Mm. I didn't start getting into the comics until I was older, and they were being republished in like omnibus editions, mm -hmm. or you could start reading them online digitally. And that's when I started reading them. And yeah, Larry Hama, Herb Trimpey, just great stuff. So, you know, but for me, the file cards are how I learned about the characters yeah. and then the original Sunbow cartoon. I didn't know about the DIC cartoon until like I was trying to remember. I, it was either because I was home from school because I was sick or maybe it was summer vacation and mm -hmm. I was bored and I was just flipping around channels. And this must have been 1991, 92. And I discovered, oh, there's G.I. Joe cartoons that I haven't seen. And then I watched five minutes. I was like, eh, I don't need to watch this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it uh, I'm, I'm OK. I'm going on record. The DICs are winning me over because I can see this an, 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 an earnestness there. They're they're really trying for it, mm -hmm. but then you get are this, they? Man, but then you get this <laughs> level of slapstick, and then it right. then it takes me back. But they're they're slowly winning me over as we go through. I'm like, okay, there's a lot more. There's a lot better here than I thought there was. Okay. Not great, but better than I thought. Okay. Well, you know, I just watched the Victory at Volcania yeah. two-parters because you did it on the podcast, and it wasn't horrible. Right. But you could see how much better it could have been yes. without a whole lot of effort. Yeah, it didn't need to be a two-parter. If you're going to do that one as a two-parter, you needed more, like, G.I. Joe plot. You, yeah. know, you needed more MacGuffins or more twists or turns. And then there were just elements that were just silly in it. Yeah. Um, and if they treated it a little more seriously, it could have been great. Yeah. Yeah. I have thoughts about that. I'll bring up. On this. <laughs> okay. Now, well, yeah. Uh, but before we get into it, and okay. I, I realize we're talking a long time here. Yeah, we're good. Listeners aren't bored because you know I talked about Frank Welker because yeah. I'm a big animation fan and voice actor fan. I showed you this DVD that I have that's sure. autographed by several of the voice actors. Um, I will mention. Uh, I don't think you brought this up, but on the DIC show, uh, Ed Gilbert 
was still the voice of Hawk. He came right. over from Sunbelt. Correct, for the first season. Yeah. That's that's true. Uh, Morgan Lofting stayed the voice of the Baroness. Correct. Chris and Collins, a.k.a. Chris, Chris Latta. Chris Latta. Chris Collins? Was that He's his? sometimes credited as Chris Collins. Oh, really? Yeah, he was on an episode that. of Star Trek The Next Generation. He played oh, a Klingon. Cool. There he was credited as Christopher Collins. Interesting. The voice of Destro is Maurice LaMarche. Is it really? Yep. That's funny. I, I don't necessarily like Maurice LaMarche's Destro, but he's fantastic. That he he was brain right or pink he, he was, was brain, brain. Yeah. yeah and then he yeah. he was a bunch of voices on he's Futurama a, yeah he was everything he yeah. was the chief on Inspector Gadget another DIC cartoon yeah he's great oh, that's funny I didn't I didn't realize that was Maurice LaMarche mm-hmm. that's funny and I I had met Arthur Burgart the original voice of Destro yeah. at Long Beach two years ago and uh, that was a convention I was dressed in my Dick Tracy costume love it. And so Arthur Burgart was there. Morgan Lofting was there. Hank Garrett, who was the voice of Dial Tone, yeah. he was there. And they're all older folks now. Mm-hmm. So Dick Tracy was kind of like in their wheelhouse from when they were kids. Mm-hmm. And Arthur Burgart was like, happy to see me. <laughs> he stood up. He said, young man, I got to shake your hand. So and yeah. if you told 10-year-old me that Destro was going to be nah. shaking my hand, I'd have lost <laughs> my mind. Probably would have scared you. <laughs> well, with, Destro. With or without the open shirt. I mean, well, he, he's got style. Yeah, he does. Arthur Burger. He was wearing this leather jacket and a, a Kangol hat. No, nice. not a Kangol. Like a, it was it was almost like an Indiana Jones hat, like Sweet. a fedora, but with a wider brim, and it was leather. He, and he was styling. And Destro was the first toy that I ever bought with my own money. So meeting Arthur Burgart meant a lot to me. That's him. really cool. Yeah. That's really great. I love that. I love that memory. Uh, yeah, the, the, that specific memory of like this is when I got this, or that's when I got that, or that. Yeah, that's. That's what I think makes all this stuff worthwhile. Mm-hmm. Cool, man. So without any further ado, Dave Amiat, you ready to yeah, watch uh, Injustice in the Cobra Way? Yeah, I, I worked in all the anecdotes I had in mind. I, I think now we can. <laughs> I think you did a great job. All right, man. Well, listeners, get your DVDs ready because here we go. That's a pretty classic headquarters design it's, in the opening credits. You know, it's it's not terrible. It yeah. doesn't look like the J.J. headquarters. It looks like something out of Cybertron. A little, I mean, it looks, it looks like the headquarters model from the Sunbow series. It doesn't look like the toy necessarily. Right, right. Yeah. Um, this I, just, one, I find it amazing that they include the disc launcher element that's, of the we, Avalanche. We were just talking about that on one of these episodes. Like, they, they stayed so true to the toy. But now, technically, when they used them, they were shooting, like, mines. Oh. But, like, my, my brain goes, like, if you're firing a mine at high speeds like that why is how is it not just exploding on contact yeah but that's not what they do like their mines like they fire them and then a tank would have to roll over them to explode I guess, it's very yes. yeah it's very strange yeah and th- um, this this would have come out at a time when i wasn't collecting the toys as much yeah i would get some here and there well we got injustice a cobra written by flint dilly and meg mclaughlin flint, flint dilly, dilly. talent yeah He's a talent. This, okay, if this episode were a, a comedy sketch, so you come from the world of improv and everything, um, Salvo, or not Salvo, uh, Captain, Captain Gridiron is the best written character on this episode. Every line of his dialogue is so character, so on point. There are so many football euphemisms. If you, I'm not a huge fan of that right. because it seems... It's it's consistent at least. Yeah, it is so consistent in this episode and clever at times yeah. and on point. So it's like it is the, um, like the writing, 
technique or whatever that you learn when you're writing like sketch comedy, you give people points of view and yeah. they, and in almost every line of dialogue, you try to work their point of view in it to remind the viewer that's what this going along. Yeah. That's it. He is so on point. Okay. In this episode. All those laser vipers, they at yeah. least got broken legs, right? Falling uh, into that dumpster? I hope so. Okay. And Are we assuming that the Joes were aiming at the parachutes and that's why they didn't hit any of the actual <laughs> vipers? <laughs> but, um, so we got heavy duty here. Heavy duty is a toy I had. You did. I had heavy duty. I had the laser viper. His um, machine gun looks so unwieldy in this episode. Are and you I know it's, it's true to the toy. Yes. I get that. But it... In action, it looks, it's like he's just carrying a lunch tray with him. Yeah. I it had is, Scoop also. Yeah. I love that they brought Scoop. There's a lot of guys in here that they bring back. Well, the, this, the beginning of this episode is really heavy loaded with a lot of Joes, mm-hmm. and then they fall by the wayside. Um, <laughs> it, was just, it was just football grenade. <laughs> Are you a fan of Mystery Science Theater 3000? Yes. Okay. Yes. So in an early episode, the Invention Exchange uh, with Dr. Forrester and Frank, they did tank tops. Okay. And they used it in the opening credits for like the first three seasons. It's basically what Heavy Duty is using. But it's just the turret from a tank and you're wearing it. Funny. With straps. That's that's funny. So we've got uh, Night Creepers. Yeah. So who's uh, in this squad? We've got Scoop, Ambush, Rock and Roll, and Free Fall. Yeah. I mean, I had to look up Free Fall. That's great. Like, uh, they're using, they're finally, a lot of these shows, they've been using the same, like, four or five dudes. Mm -hmm. And this one, they don't. They really branch out and they use a lot of different guys. And that's the second version of Rock and Roll. And he would have been, he would have been one of the older figures at this point. Yeah. And he's got the, um, he's got those, like, twin cannons on both arms. Well, one of the reasons I feel like they watch Predator and say, let's just do everything they do in Predator. (laughs) One of the reasons I had the Laser Viper and Heavy Duty was that at the time, characters with big accessories that practically doubled at battle stations, those appealed to me. It's, you know, you're, I mean, that's so funny because that's, I mean, they, that's why they would do it. Like, they, you see that they added more accessories because kids look at it and go, oh my God, all these accessories, accessories, accessories. We sold a, um, I was in the comic shop yesterday and there was a young kid. I don't know, eight, nine, whatever. And he was looking for some Spider-Mans and I, him and his dad. And I, I showed him the Spider-Man box and out of all the, all the good Spider-Man books, he looks over and looks interesting. Of course, the holographic foil cover, <laughs> you know, from 1993, yep. he just, it caught his eye and he just turned around and was like, dad, I want this one. <laughs> and I'm, I'm we, he, he, the father and I had a chuckle about it because it's like, yeah, it's so funny. Like that holographic capture something about a kid going, oh my God, this is a special issue. Yep. They've got, They've got extra accessories. They're special. They're yeah. bigger. Yeah. Well, I had Stretcher because he came with his little hover pad. Yeah. Now, we've got a we've got a problem here. Yes. Now, Jose Riviera. But it's supposed to be Hector Ramirez. Sure. But it's not. It's Jose Riviera. Now, there's a moment later in this episode. Did you catch it when they're looking I, at a newspaper? I didn't notice it the first time. I did watch it. On, Written by. Hector Ramirez. Yep. The newspaper says Hector Ramirez. Yeah. Oh, oh. Oh. Okay. That's very funny. And it makes him look like a turtle flipped on yeah. the back. Heavy duty just tripped and he's carrying that giant gun, which, by the way, he is just constantly pointing a weapon at his fellow soldiers. Yep. Which he has not unloaded. Oh, first appearance of Serpent Man. Oh, Serpent. Did they ever do a Superman um, action figure? I don't believe so. They should. Sure. Someone should. Yeah, why not? I mean, it's silly, but it's someone should do a Serpent Man. Yeah. Because with all the customs and all the stuff in the world, I, I, I hope someone's done a Serpent Man. 
Um, so he shows up like a superhero flying out of the blue. Yeah, he takes down that uh, Cobra Hurricane, UTOL. He's got the Night Creeper there. I had noticed the Laser Vipers are pretty well suited to a Night Ops. Yeah. Much more so than the Night Creepers. Yeah, the Night Creepers are wearing purple. Yeah. I don't, well, there's a lot of people in weird colors in this whole generation. Um, Yeah. Like, even like the green that Heavy Duty's wearing is a weird, like a neon green. Yeah. Well, that, again, the, the appeal to me when I decided to buy Heavy Duty, I remember thinking, okay, he's got these cool accessories and he's at least slightly more realistic looking. Okay. Uh, real quick, I got my note here. I'm just going to say he's Superman is named after the Don't Tread on Me flag, which is currently being co opted by the alt right yeah. and, <laughs> and currently being used by torchbearers. <laughs> so I'm just going to say there might be a connection there, everybody. <laughs> Well, hey, if they if they adopt Serpent Man as their yeah, if, if, if all of a sudden at the at the next rally at the next Make America Great Again rally, Serpent Man shows up. That's go. what we should do. Yeah. We should get a Serpent Man costume together and wear it to a MAGA rally. That would be amazing. So you do not need to Jose Riviera, Mr. Riviera. He's talking to the president. Mm. It's supposed to be Hector Ramirez, but it's not. But Hector Ramirez shows up in a newspaper. Mm. So. Could this be an alternate reality of G.I. Joe? Maybe. We know could that those we possibly, exist. Could, could the entire DIC series not be a sequel to the Sunbow, but actually be an alternate fractured universe version of G.I. Joe, which would explain so much. It'd explain and, why Grunt is there. Right. Exactly. So maybe some things leak through to this reality. You know, like, in other words, the voice of Morgan Lofting, the voice of the Baroness. Chris Lada, the, yeah. the Cobra Commander's voice. But everything else is different and, and worse. Yeah. Right? Everything else is bad in this universe. Yeah. It's not the darkest timeline. Right. It's a grayer timeline. Right. And it's and his name's not Hector Ramirez. He didn't, because, you know, like, uh, uh, Geraldo Rivera's name was Jerry Rivers. He yeah. changed it to Geraldo Rivera. So Hector Ramirez, following that logic, wasn't originally Hector Ramirez. It was probably, like, Harry, Harry, maybe Harry Ramirez, we'll say. Yeah. So Ramis. in this... Harry so, Ramis. Right. Harold Ramis. Harold Ramis. He's Harold Ramis. Harold Ramis. <laughs> so in this universe, he changed it to, what was it, Jose? Uh, what, Jose what, Riviera. Yeah, Jose Riviera. So I'm saying that might be proof that we're watching an alternate universe. We're not watching the continuation of the Sunbow. We're that, watching an alternate universe version sure. of the Sunbow, saving Sunbow from having anything to do with DIC. Yeah. I'm throwing it out there now based on the Hector Ramirez, Jose Riviera. Works for me. Yeah. Now we've got this. We've got this woman president, President Mason. She's also being, an alternate reality. Yeah. She's being abducted by Undertoes, which are Destro's frogs. Right. And why are they named Undertoes? That's a terrible name for a platoon of people. It's yeah. It sounds like name, a Right. It's a good name for one person. And we're going to go to commercial and be right back. Today's file card is on the Cobra Mamba driver. Code name gyro viper or as we like to say euro viper the coordination necessary to pilot a helicopter is akin to operating a yo-yo with your left hand while spinning a pie plate on the tip of your right index finger while you're balancing full glasses of water on top of your feet piloting an attack helicopter in combat is like doing all of that while riding a 12 point buck through the woods in the middle of the hunting season Mamba pilots have to be pretty nervy just to get through the training program attack helicopters come in two varieties 
bigger, heavily armed, slower ones, and smaller, faster ones with no armor at all. Mambas fall into the latter category. Gyro Vipers tend to be fast, decisive thinkers with a self-assured confidence in their flying skills, and they don't look back. First thing that stands out to me about the Gyro Viper, <laughs> or Gyro Viper, is that he actually has a helmet. He has a removable helmet, which is, I think, strange for uh, pilots. Like, people that were packaged with vehicles, typically they were not very intricate. You know, they maybe they came with a gun, but they, they may not have come with, like, their own detachable helmet. And he's got the full helmet treatment. So when you remove that, you've got a purple ski mask over his face. And I like that his color scheme actually matches the color scheme of the Mamba. The Mamba was that like two-bladed, three-canopied helicopter that Cobra had. It was purple and black, which is a little garish. But the the real cool thing was that the the two blades they were at cockeyed angles, so they spun separately, uh, and that would you know, I guess keep it balanced. And the two of the three cockpits could detach from the Mamba, so the the left and right ones could fire out on their own and be like their own little rocket jet thing. I really like the Mamba concept. I don't necessarily like the color scheme. Now the figure itself, everything else kind of about him is plain. You know, it just looks like he's wearing a pilot jumpsuit, but that's okay. You know, the fact that he comes with a sweet helicopter and he's got a cool removable helmet, that's good for me. And there you go, the Mamba driver, the Gyro Viper, or is it Euro Viper? We salute you. Undertow is a great name for one person. Terrible name. A great name for one person. Terrible name for a platoon of people. Yeah. They should be like Aqua Vipers or something. Or or as Iron Grenadiers, so maybe these Aqua Grenadiers or something okay. like that, right? Yeah. Undertow's is just doesn't work. Okay, why would why would you why would you bother with a fake grenade though? Why wouldn't you actually throw a grenade? Well, because he didn't want to hurt the president. Oh, right, right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Good point. She's been abducted at it's this It's a very point. good point. This is nice. I like this. Look at the animation. His missiles are actually missing yeah. from where he shot them. They didn't like just keep the animation. That's yeah. it's a watched... level of detail you don't normally see on DNC. To be honest. That's true. Uh, the Joes don't have green shirts in this. They have orange tiger stripey right. shirts and purple helmets. They look crazy. Yeah. And yet, they're using... <laughs> These nameless Joes, even though earlier in the episode they had a lot of the other named Joes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, there, why were more, isn't there were more Joes here? to use why here. Isn't Bullhorn here? Yeah. I don't know. And and why why would what purpose would would GI Joe ever have for making a purple helmet? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, would, I, I was never a fan. I was never a fan of the idea of green shirts in GI Joe in general. I always thought the strength of G.I. Joe was in their individuality and their mm -hmm. identities. I get it in Cobra because they're nameless, faceless right. legions. Right. I just I never liked the idea of there being disposable Joes. So, yeah. Well, I always looked at it as like the farm team. Like, sure. Like before before these guys earned their whatever, yeah. you know, their and name I get it. and their code, they, they had to fill out the green shirts. And, yeah. and in 1984, especially when you need to fill up the scene yeah. and there just aren't that many Joes. Yeah. Well, it also, I mean, the, really... I mean, there weren't green shirt action figures, though. Mm -hmm. And the reason was there were so many Joes that they had to go with these platoons of Cobras in order to make it an even fight on the playing field. Yeah. Um, I'm running into that with when I do the file cards, I alternate Joe, Cobra, Joe, Cobra. And I am much further down the road with Cobras because there's only so many Cobras. Yeah. You know, I'm D, I'm D, I'm like, I'm in like 1990 Cobras. Mm. And on G.I. Joe, I'm still doing drivers from 84, 85. <laughs> like, it's just, there's there's this 
just imbalance of Joe versus Cobra. So it makes sense in the toy to have these world builders. But when you throw them on the show, it does look weird. Like yeah. there's this, yeah. Did they, they must have made green shirt action figures though. So well, then, in the 25th point. anniversary line, they yeah. did a five pack okay, with uh, Firefly and four green shirts. Okay, that's cool. Now, let me ask you this. Do you think that Jose Riviera is in cahoots with Serpent Man? Or is he just like seizing the opportunity? I think he's just seizing the opportunity. Okay. Yeah, I think he's just seizing the opportunity. Yeah, so that's that's the too good to be true stuff. I think he's just a There's but, a saw viper for no reason. Yeah, they're just portraying him as Cobra piranhas that don't get used. No, no, no. You know, like a, a Weasley uh, opportunistic, you know, yeah. kind of and, a weasel guy. There's Hector. There it is by Hector yeah. Ramirez. Ramirez, really. <laughs> but we'll, for argument's sake, Ramirez. So what does that do to the alternate reality theory? Well, in his defense. Could that be something that ble- bled through? Are you telling me they have two mustachioed Latino men on staff to report on this? It's more diversity than you see in newspapers today. It's true. It tells journalism. What it, what it makes me think is they changed the name in the audio. Because maybe maybe there was a copyright like or um, you know maybe they said hey we can't use Ramirez because he was owned by Sunbow maybe or because you know he wasn't he was a Sunbow creation yeah yeah so maybe they said oh we have to change it last minute to this guy but it slipped through in the animation but I like to go with the alternate reality because I'm always looking for uh, (laughs) ways to break reality with GI Joe okay so now at this point President Mason has been replaced viewers don't know that no but. She's Why just is that guy wearing that hat. He's wearing a he's wearing a smoky bear hat in the front front row. I, what? No <laughs> class. Yeah, so she's, she's just appointed Serpent Man to be Secretary of Defense and Attorney General. And the Attorney General. And the Attorney General. Which, of course, you can only have that job if you've got an extremely faulty memory. Yeah. So Right. Yeah, of course. I mean it, Okay. And, and here's and our this guy. Yeah. Another original character. Like and, and, Jose Riviera and President and Mason. And it is, this dude could not be a more gay stereotype. It is um, uh, uh, Charles Nelson Riley, <laughs> Or, no, no, the, not Charles Nelson Riley. I love Charles Nelson Riley, but the, he's the uncle on Bewitched. Paul Lind. Right, Paul Lind. Yes. That's store. who this is. You're turning G.I. Joe headquarters into a shoe boutique. Yeah, see that's getting the boot. Yeah. This is where it gets different. And isn't yeah. the color scheme to and like you you're turning the Joe headquarters into a shoe boutique. Yeah. And scoop. I mean, yeah, this is the this is the part of the show that I just turns me off. Like now it's supposed to be funny. I know it's whatever, gay panic humor, fine. But humor aside, it's just not funny. Like there's Yeah. See, but see all that double reverse, double penalized, reverse, yeah. penalize unnecessarily. Now, I'll tell you, Gridiron's on point. You'd, you'd said that uh, Victory at Volcania didn't need to be a two-parter. Yeah. I, I would think actually so. think this one would work well as a two-parter. Yes. You know, end part one with the Joe team being disbanded. We see what some of the other Joes go and do, and these guys are on the run. Well, that's similar to well, that, what you're describing is one of the two-parters from Sunbow. Do you remember it? Um, I, the name is escaping me right now, but yeah. The, um, the, I think it's the Synthoid Conspiracy. Yeah, that's oh, the one. Okay. They replaced the leaders of... Um, they replaced all the generals. This is just a repeat of Synthoid Conspiracy, got it, got it. but done with a superhero. They replaced all the generals that made decisions. We'll be right back. Hey, listeners. I'm not sure if you've heard the news, but Joe and Joe has started a Patreon, and I'm inviting you along for the ride. Go to patreon.com slash Joe and Joe pod and check out my page. 
Right now, there are two opportunities for you to help support the show. You can choose to be a grunt or a viper. Grunts get access to all the Joe and Joe episodes and early access to new episodes as they're created. Vipers get all that and access to my all-new spinoff podcast, Joe on Joe Illustrated, where I will be breaking down every single issue of the G.I. Joe comic books page by page in the deepest dive you'll ever hear on G.I. Joe. So go to patreon.com slash Joe on Joe pod and see what's happening over at the Fort Wadsworth Motor Pool. We'll see you there. And the, the cliffhanger was that, like, Mutt and Junkyard was getting attacked by um, someone on one of the motorcycles, maybe rock and roll or something. And they oh, were like, okay. that was the cliffhanger. Like, because part of the Joes were saying, we need to still be Joes. And the other part were saying, no, there's something wrong here. We need to rebel against the government shutting us down. Um, that's the Synthoid conspiracy. Got it. But that is what's happening here. Yeah. You're absolutely right. And there's a guy who does reviews of these on YouTube, and he pointed out it's also basically the plot of Retaliation. Oh, it is. Cobra replaces the president with an undercover operative, and the Joes get disbanded. Yep. Now we're going to get into a part where, again, it's attempted comedy, and it could have been more effective if it had been done more artfully. Uh So now we're down to, from the team of 12 Joes at the beginning, now we're just following these three. Yeah, yeah. And something that I noticed. And, And Scoop, by the way, still useless. Yeah, he's uh, dumb. And on a show where you've got both Scoop and Hector Ramirez, yeah, I would have expected more interplay because Scoop is the Joe's Hector Ramirez. Yeah, so there's a get, li- there's a little bit of it, but it's not yeah, a lot. Yeah, let's get some like uh, sibling rivalry kind of yeah. a thing going. Like you're you're doing my job, you're doing my job, or I don't know what the answer there is. But yeah, there's a moment. There should be more moments of that. You'll notice the helicopter pilot in Hector Ramirez's helicopter, same color scheme as the Joe orange shirts. Oh. He's got an orange shirt and a purple helmet. They didn't want to change the and character design. To question them, they the Joes just jumped back into the same sewer they just escaped this fire-breathing dragon out of. Yeah. I'd... Is it they just assumed that the dragon left? Like... I didn't think about it that much, and neither did the writers. Yeah, and yeah, and here, just all of a sudden, they're, so where do we go? they're watching TV again. It's all very... It's all very quick. You're, you're, by the way, this is fantastic. Do we have Who a Millard Fillmore? There is a statue of Millard Fillmore in Buffalo, New York. Okay. But there's not a memorial in Washington. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, love, I, I love that, that there is in this universe. Again, another reason, say this is an alternate reality. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I'm, I'm a presidential history trivia oh, really? buff myself. I, it was something we, it was a school project in fifth grade. We had to learn all about the collection. But you'll notice Scoop doesn't know who Millard Fillmore is. Right. So he has to explain it to him. Another idiot. Yeah. Scoop's an idiot. Well, and it was established he had been a Crimson Guardsman, right? Right. And the whole point of the Crimson Guard is that they're professionals. They're accountants and lawyers. And, you know, apparently Scoop was a media. And here, wait, wait for it. What's a rose garden doing out here? He doesn't know there's he a doesn't rose know garden. There's a rose garden in the White House. I mean, yeah. Scoop's an idiot. Yeah. First I, of all, I have to assume they couldn't make heavy duty the idiot because that would seem racist. You're probably right. So they had to just make. But it, well, it is in line characterized with Scoop from like the Dragonfire stuff. He was kind of an, an like a dope. He was a little bit. Okay. I think he would, but not, no, no, not to this extent. You're totally right. He shouldn't be this dumb. But he was kind of like the hey, outsider. Hey, there's Arana. He was kind of like the outsider dope. Yeah, okay. Um, but, oh, but then point, her mask was just back on. And yeah, and, 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 and 
Hector Ramirez, Jose, whatever, just busted through. Like, he just has free reign of the yeah. White House. No security, no yeah. secret service. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the president fled the White House? I wish That's the White House was this. Was this was easy to break into. So yeah. go play with your mini cam and let us do our job. Oh, See, that should have been Scoop saying that. Right? Yeah. You're totally right. Now... Okay, in that little shot we just saw, are we assuming they're in a retaliator helicopter? Yeah, that fits three. Okay, because Which does. this is the, seriously, these are the only times in this whole episode, other than the credits, where we see Joe vehicles. Yeah. There are oh, no yeah. other Joe vehicles yeah, in the yeah. whole episode. Yeah. And we don't even see the thing. Oh, there's, there's a range, range vipers. They use the vi- there's, <laughs> there's so many specialty vipers, and they're always used in the wrong places. Yeah. They're used based on what they want to draw or what they have a character model And there's for. the Miller film. And that Miller, that Fillmore, fantastic. What's he doing here? That's yeah. fantastic. Could have been funnier. Yeah, see, yeah, it sh- it is funny, but it should have been way funnier. So, Dave, one of the things we like to do on the show is ask uh, our guests if you could be a member of Joe or Cobra, what would you be, and who would you, what kind of, uh, what kind of specialty would you have? Well, so I, what would you do? I'd been thinking about that, and uh, you know, I mentioned that I cosplay as Dick Tracy sometimes. Yep, and that ties into this. I. One of my character flaws is that I am hopelessly pedantic. And so I will mention that in previous episodes, when you've talked about Chuckles, you've said that he looks like someone out of Miami Vice. I would argue that he looks more like Magnum P.I. Interesting. That's a good point. (laughs) Cobra Commander wearing his armor. You're right. You're right. (laughs) Yeah, I know. He's got his armor underneath. Yeah. That's a nice touch. Yeah, the shock on the armor. Yeah. Yeah, it's a little, yeah, it's a little. So much for Serpent Man. Yeah. My Joe identity would be similar to, like, like a cross between Chuckles and Law and Order. I'd be uh, undercover uh, G.I. Joe law enforcement, but with a Magnum P.I. twist. I'd come with a vehicle. Okay. I'd have a, a sports car, maybe with like some mask elements to it, oh. with hidden rockets and stuff. Yeah, sure. And Fly, I'd have, maybe. Yeah, like a red Hawaiian shirt. Okay. That's what I'd wear. And then for my code name to tie into the Dick Tracy element, I'd go by plain clothes. Nice. Nice. So, yeah. so you're not a cover guy. Yeah. So so like uh, if Cobra's setting up a covert arms deal, I'm the guy who infiltrates it and sets it up. And, you know, I arrange the sting and everything. And then. I'm there, and then the Joes show up, and they take us all into custody. But then later they spring me. That's fantastic. I love it. Plain clothes, welcome to the Joe and Joe family. Happy to. So the show wrapped up with the president welcoming the Joes uh, back in his service, and she gave a big wholehearted yo-cho. I think this this episode firmly cements the DIC in an alternate reality. I'll go along with that, yeah. I'm I'm on board with that. This is a game-changing episode. Yeah, works for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, not terrible. Some moments of, of like, oh, really? You got to do that? Gay panic, really? We got to do yeah. gay panic? But I think the the plot is great. It's tried and true. That's Flint Dilly. I yeah. Mean, yeah, there's, yeah. Some, there's some strong stuff. And the dialogue's great. Um, I think your observations of they started with this massive team and had everybody just winnowed down, mm-hmm. I think that's, I want to say it's intentional, but obviously they wrote it, so they intentionally wrote it, but it feels intentional because it, yeah. it just brings it takes this world and brings it closer and closer and more personal more personal more personal and then you get to the end and it's just those guys versus Ser- the serpent man you know yeah and I, I think it would have been better served if they'd chosen joe's whose specialty was better suited to the caper yeah well, i don't scoop, necessarily scoop 
should have been a great choice for this because it had to do with uh, I, I keep calling Journalism him Hector Ramirez. Yeah, public but, perception. Yeah, it kept having to do with him and public perception. So Scoop makes sense, but they never played on that. Yeah. Um, and, and Gridiron, while he characterization was fantastic, there's there's a there's a, a, a there's a bit of like football is the American way kind of thing that they could have had some fun with. But um, and then heavy duty is just an excuse to draw heavy duty. Yeah. You just need to do big guns. And that was I was looking at the timeline, and so this apparently this originally aired in 1990. Heavy Duty would have been, if he wasn't already on, I, I don't know if Heavy Duty was even available as a toy yet. No, he, he wasn't. He was one of the later ones. Yeah. Because yeah, I was, I, I, I looked to make sure I, that's who we were talking about, and it, I was surprised that I had to go a year further in, in, in looking up the, on the database. Yeah, it was a year later. Yeah, so I, I have to assume that's that was the motivation for including Heavy Duty. You know? yeah. It was like, it's going to be a new toy. We need to generate interest. Mm-hmm. Um, we walk around with a tabletop machine gun, yeah. everybody. Get ready for it. And I have to assume that Gridiron was so prominent because he would have been the highest ranking Joe at the time. Yeah. I mean, there there yep, was a yep. fairly recent General Hawk figure, but Captain Gridiron, uh, you, you know, he, he would have been like a, the equivalent of Duke or Flint at the time, field mm-hmm. commander. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense that he's so heavily involved. One other thing I wanted to mention, you know, it's an interesting episode in terms of the original characters. You know, Jose Riviera is so-so in Mm -hmm. terms of original, but it's progressive in as much as we have a female president. True. Very true. And again, there's a guy on YouTube who does reviews. I watched this, his version of it. He's not as funny as he thinks he is, but uh, (laughs) he mentioned that President Mason looks like Hillary Clinton, but she doesn't. I thought she looked more like Nancy Reagan. Yeah, she doesn't look like Hillary Clinton. Yeah. And I, I was forced to wonder because in the cast list, there, the voice actress, the voice actress Lisa, her name is spelled Cor C O R P S. Okay. She's credited as the voice of Zorana. Mm-hmm. I would assume she's also the voice of President Mason, if, but I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it had to be. I, they, they, they barely had women on the show, yeah. and when they did, it was definitely double duty. There's no way they brought a second female voice in on the show. Yeah. So, and she does, uh, she does a great job. Good job. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, great job. Got it was great to see Zorana in the mix. I, I yeah. love it. I, I, this One of the tenets of Sunbill was was that they always had a good mix of women. Mm-hmm. There was uh, there, It was like two or three episodes, maybe, that was just all dudes. And, it yeah. was, and that was with a smaller cast of women. Uh, it's funny, looking at the figures, they stopped making women figures. Yeah, Jinx was the last one yeah. until Ninja Force Scarlet, right? Right, right. And even then, it's just another Scarlet. Yeah. Like, it just, it, they just dropped off. It, it's that, it, it's that age old, like, oh, boys don't buy girl figures. But you gotta, you gotta try. You gotta give us something new. I had Jinx. Yeah, oh, Jinx was great. She was awesome. She, you know, come on, she bring the Irish Chicago into your own home. So, and, and to the actress's credit, when you're watching the episode, once you know what the twist is, you can see she does vary the voice between when it's actually President Mason and when it's mm. Zorana in disguise. It's very cool. So, you know, she's not phoning it in. I love it. I love it. So thumbs up, thumbs down on this episode. It's it's an interesting novelty. Okay. It's worth watching once. I can't believe I've watched it three times. <laughs> I think that's a wonderful way to sum up the DIC episodes. Dave, thank you so much for being on the show. It was a pleasure. I this, love doing podcasts. Yeah, this was a real delight. Remember, if you're in the Phoenix area at May 24th, we're at Phoenix Comic Fest. And Dave Babyhead is doing cosplay comedy at 6 p.m. as Fred Jones from Scooby-Doo. So come out and say hi to him. Uh, any any parting words to Joe and Joe listeners? Got to get tough. Yo, Joe. Yo, Joe. Yo, Joe. Well, thanks, Dave. Now you, Joe. And Joeing is half the battle. Thank <laughs> you.